Morning, Emmett. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. It's getting a bit twitchy there. I saw the time crossing over and I thought, hmm, is there some technical glitches? Uh, there going was on? a slight, there was a slight technical glitch going on, but um, not with my laptop, but actually with my uh, coffee machine. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, this needs to, uh, this needs to hurry up. But, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to, to kind of ask the question out there, put a poll up and ask the, what are the most important things for setup? And, uh, you know, aside from your Mac, what else do you need in your zone? And coffee is, uh, <laughs> coffee is definitely, definitely up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially my times I'm in at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so we had, a, think... we had a week off. We had a week off. Yes. And uh, that was obviously regionally a bit of a week off. It seemed like everyone had a week off. How was yours? Have a good one. Yeah, very good. Very good. Did a bit of traveling. It was quite quite nice, actually. Um, driving through uh, European roads and stuff is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, Left very good. Right Left or right there. Left or Same as Dubai. No, oh, okay. that's what I think. <laughs> oh, Christ. Do you know what? Yeah, same as Dubai. We're good. Okay. We're good. Although with, a manual, although with a manual vehicle, which is interesting. It's the first time I've had to drive a manual for about 16 years. So, Oh, yeah, but your legs are aching, right? First couple of days. <laughs> it, was a bit, <laughs> it was a little bit embarrassing <laughs> the first couple of days, but yeah. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Good stuff. There we go. Cool. <laughs> How's it. your week? Good? Good. Yeah, yeah, good. It's uh, We had uh, all kind of blustery storms here, so that kind of cooled cooled the place down a bit so it was it was kind of bearable to be outside which was uh, anyone knows this part of the world end of july is not the time to be outside yeah. but actually it was quite enjoyable so it's all good but yeah but we've got a busy day ahead right we've got a busy uh, busy uh, busy show here so see people kind of coming in and, and so hi everyone uh, familiar faces uh, good to have you back after our week uh, break hope you all had a good good week off as well um we've got some new people jumping in today so um, guys, for the newbies who don't know what we do, uh, we essentially kind of run around a few interesting stories just while we wait for people to kind of populate in and then we kind of take a bit of a dive into our deep dive. And, and what are we talking about today, Amit? What what's on the agenda? Yeah, today today is a bit of an old favourite, I guess. It's, um, it's marketing automation, but really kind mm -hmm. of um, not just talking about automation in the sense of... Um, I guess for traditional sense of marketing automation, but more about like what it is today. Um, and, um, and really, really, I guess from our perspective, it's, it's getting really tactical. So it's more yeah. about, you know, the real kind of, you know, applicable kind of uses of marketing automation rather than just talking about marketing automation. I think we want to kind of add, add as much value as possible here today. Yeah. Perfect. And I think, and I think just on that note, if anyone does have any questions as we're, as we're kind of going along, uh, feel free to shoot them across. Use the um, Q and A function. Uh, that's typically the best one that we can we can directly access. So um, yeah, but great to have everyone on board. And I think uh, yeah, like you said, I think we've got quite a busy show today. So so I tell you what, what we've got we've got more and more people kind of um, joining the show and jumping in. So I think should we just um, while we're doing that, should we any any kind of news stories, Andrew, that caught your eye this week? Yeah, I've got I've got one that that, that hit me first of all. Um, Old Zuckerberg. Um, so this this I found quite interesting, um, and I'm actually going to read what it is off of the the story itself because it's kind of a bit difficult to grasp uh, what it is. But essentially, you know, Zuckerberg has come out and said that um, his social network company is now becoming a metaverse company, uh, which I thought was was quite interesting. And and then kind of straight away I was like, well, what does that mean then, right? 
Um, so, so essentially, he's, he's kind of told his employees about this new initiative. Uh, future of the company goes far beyond the current projects of building connected social apps and the hardware. Instead, Facebook uh, strives to build an interconnected set of experiences, right? Uh, so, so the metaverse apparently uh, coined in Snow Crash, which is a sci-fi, it's the convergence of physical, augmented, and virtual reality in a shared online space. Um, so as much as that sounded exciting, it also mm -hmm. kind of, I've guessed, sounded a bit creepy. Um, but they were talking about other companies like Fortnite, uh, Roblox, uh, Animal Crossing, you know, these kind of things where they're starting to introduce some metaverse elements. So this kind of mixed reality, you know, so, something straight out of Lawnmower Man kind of stuff um, for, yeah. for kind of those of an older audience. So, yeah, I just it just caught my eye. I, and... I, I thought it was interesting that, that that he's kind of come out there and said, you know, we're we're kind of this is what we're moving into, um, you know. And I just wonder if if you know the skeptic in me is like, is he trying to relabel his organisation, you know, to because he's obviously been under a lot of fire. Um, so is he is he looking to relabel himself, or is he genuinely this is where he believes everything is moving? Yeah, look, I think I think that's really interesting. I think I think. Firstly, I think we're already there with some some sort of application. If you look at if you look at the WeChats and stuff like that, they're probably looking at that going, well, we've been doing this for years, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know in terms of everything that you possibly need to kind of exist, you can potentially do on, on that app. But I think I think with Facebook now, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel as if when you when you kind of look at Facebook, say five years ago. And they were talking about Facebook's going to be turning into this, you know, kind of business or this company that, that essentially was following that in that kind of WeChat yeah. uh, path, right? Mm. You know, where, where you can everything that you need to do in your life could be done done through Facebook. That's right. And 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 it just hasn't happened, right? It hasn't kind of panned no. out that way. And, no, no. and I think some of the most exciting stuff Facebook are doing now is is really kind of through things like WhatsApp and and, and through mm. Instagram as opposed to Facebook, right? Yeah. And um and I think if you look at it as an organisation, maybe some of that's down to these challenges they've had, right? With Zuckerberg yeah. spending a lot of time in court, um, mm. Mm. you know. As but but I like this. I like the fact that he's this has been the first time in I think ages where he's come out and actually you know come out with something bold. Yeah, kind of, you know, big picture, big thinking, and and I quite like that. I think that Facebook's still, you know, obviously massive, and will continue to be so. But I think um, it does need that kind of forward-looking vision. What's What's interesting? I read, I read an article yesterday. Zuckerberg spends twenty-one million pounds uh, dollars a year, sorry, uh, on uh, personal security. Right. Really? Yeah. Twenty-one million dollars a year in personal security, which is substantially more. Uh, I think it was like 50 or 60% more than what Tim Cook or, or anyone else in that sort of space spends, right? So it just kind of right. shows you what what's, you know, perhaps going on behind the scenes and where his kind of <laughs> mindset really is, but, 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 but interesting. Yeah, I think the thing is that, you know, sometimes if you said, you know, I think sometimes, I forget, the guy's only 30, late 30s, 37, 38 years old. He's a young guy, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, thrust into this position. And as you said, there hasn't been any kind of, you know, grand plans. As it were. I think the last time he came out was talking about Oculus Rift. But I think, um, you know, yeah, it, it, I, I mean, it, look, it's good to see and, and good to see the way things are moving. I think the thing is, if you go and spend some time with, you know, your kids and, and see how they're interacting in these online spaces, they don't see it as online, offline. It's, it's kind of mixed 
this reality stuff, right? It, it really is. So I think it's interesting uh, from that perspective, for sure. What uh, what yeah. your <laughs> um yeah, actually, it was it was more one for you actually, and um okay, and I, per- I purposely didn't kind of put it in the show notes because I I know it's very Excellent. kind of close to your heart, but um <laughs> but there was a there was an article I read yesterday about uh, Excel, so um, okay. And I've got I've got it on my phone here, so I'm just going to pull out some snippets here. But essentially, what's happening here is um, we 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 talk about Excel here because the amount of times I think you walk into organisations and their CRM is essentially an Excel sheet. That's and right. um, and I know you've kind of said to me a couple of times that a little part of kind of dies inside every time that <laughs> happens, you know. But um, but but what what's kind of uh, really interesting is Excel is kind of just growing still, right? And you almost wouldn't believe it, but Microsoft has said that Excel usage is up 30% from the previous year, which is massive. Wow. Um, and companies are realizing that they've, yeah, and, and companies are realizing that they need to kind of move away from uh, Excel. Um, so, but but apparently it's a lot harder than it looks. So uh, Levi Strauss has basically put a two year implementation plan um, to migrate away from Excel, right? Just to, <laughs> just to put that into context. And they're saying that they hopefully should um, you know, kick this whole project off. Uh, they've got a whole task force, massive internal task force, which is going to kick off uh, early 2022. And I expect to, for it to take, you know, a full two years for them to migrate away from Excel sheets. Um, but there's a couple of other things as well. So you look at it, um, Excel are almost, I mean, Microsoft turned around and said, look, you know, Excel's the most uh, popular programming language in the world because we've got 750 million people who are actually kind of coding uh on um on microsoft and if you look at javascript for example there's maybe 10.7 or 10.8 million people mm-hmm. um but it's 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 funny right i mean i think if so many companies are kind of aware that they need to kind of move away from excel be more cloud focused make sure that you know that critical information is kind of now live real time collaborative and all that kind of stuff and you can obviously do things like that with, yeah with excel but but um yeah it's a bit, it's, it seems to be a bit of a movement but um but yeah, I thought, you'd, I thought you'd like that one. Two years. That's, uh, that's a bit of time, isn't it, to, to move away? I guess the thing is, it just, it, it's, you know, it's how people, it's interesting. There's a, there's a guy I follow on TikTok who, his whole, he's got a massive following and it's just hacking Excel. Um, you know, and that's really? kind of blown me away how, how, what you can do on Excel. Because <laughs> obviously for us, it's more about forecasting and budgeting, you know, you know, kind of from, from that perspective, not, not necessarily kind of looking at, CRM and things like that but uh but I mean it's still we, we still it's still use it on a daily basis it's just obviously to see huge organizations run their entire sales operations off of it is a bit scary um it's scary in the sense just from a usage perspective because it's still usage wise hasn't changed right but two-year migration that's amazing yeah <laughs> to what cool. you wonder like what do they know exactly <laughs> well I think it's again it comes when it comes into your kind of you know USAPs, your oracles, and yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, cool. Edra, I think, um, have you got another quick one and anything else that caught your eye, or should we move into a show? Yeah, just a real quick one that, um, you know, Jeff Jeff Bezos not going up, uh, not, go, not going up into space, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, but but uh, but more in the fact that it looks as though potentially Amazon might be kind of accepting crypto in the future, um, which I think if, if something like that happens, it could be huge, uh, you know, and that's kind of first mainstream commercial uh, environment that, that would really kind of, I think, inject a bit of a boost in, in that 
you know, and, and, and I wonder how that would be. I wonder if it would stabilize the, yeah. the kind of Bitcoin environment or, you know, at least kind of get people to realize the, 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 that space or take it a bit more seriously. So I just wonder what you thought about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, will Bitcoin ever stabilize? Because I think you're still, mm, you've, you've yeah. got to, you've just got to be prepared to go 20% up, up or down every other week, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I think the, um, yeah, look, I mean, Bezos doesn't do anything by accident. So I think if, if um, you know, if they're ready to kind of accept Bitcoin and other crypto, then it's something that they've obviously looked at and realized they can yeah, well, make quite a bit of money out of. I think this will be interesting now because obviously, you know, Bezos now stepped down as CEO. Um, oh, true, so you've got this true. new you've got this new CEO in place. Um, I think you and I were, you know, one of the ones that were kind of a bit twitchy about him going up in the uh, the old rocket on Blue Origin, but, but made it back down safely. Um, but yeah, now now obviously uh, there's somebody else at the helm. So I think it'd be interesting to see how much of a legacy there is there, um, you know, and how much involvement he's, he's, there still is. Yeah, be good to yeah, watch the space uh, anyway. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a lot of involvement, mate. If I'm honest <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to step down in, in, in the purest definition of that. No, cool. So, so look, I think, yeah, look, this week's uh, topic, thanks to everyone who's just joined in the last couple of minutes. Um, we'll, we'll dive straight into the main topic now. But um, this one, Andrew, I think, you know, we, we spoke about it right at the very beginning. But when we kind of talk about marketing automation, um, it's quite funny how this has kind of evolved over time, right? So, yeah. and I think, you know, I think many, many of the guys on here or perhaps don't know, uh, know or don't know, but we, we're kind of big HubSpot partners. And, um, and when our kind of relationship with HubSpot started, um, eight or nine years ago now, I guess, yeah. um, one, of, one of the kind of training elements that they spoke about, you know, when, especially when they were saying, look, if you're going to speak to perspective, um, HubSpot users or companies that are interested in HubSpot, don't tell, don't tell them that we're a marketing automation platform. That was kind of one of those little snippets that someone in their kind of sales team, you know, passed on in, in one of the trainings. And it was quite funny because at that time, HubSpot was basically calling themselves a marketing automation platform. And I said to them, I was like, well, well why? You know, if, if it's kind of what you are. And they were like, well, firstly, people don't know what a marketing automation platform is. Mm. And, um, and it confuses them. And um, the second reason is actually we don't really do much automation. So I was like, okay, um, I was like, okay, well, cool. That kind of makes sense. Then why, you know, why we wouldn't go out there and call it that? But but what I think what's what's kind of interesting is we still walk into a lot of meetings today where people are like, okay, look, what is kind of marketing automation? And, and not not what it what it is. I think everyone kind of understands what it is or have have you know a certain level of knowledge with that. But I think one of the questions that they ask us today is, okay, how's it going to help my company, right? And and I think um, and I think that's always, you know, I think that's a very kind of typical question that I get now. I don't know, I don't know what's your kind of experience when we're talking very high level marketing automation. Yeah, I think there's still um, there's still a certain amount of possible misinformation, um, not not in any kind of creepy sense, but just. Um, you know, perhaps people kind of think of one thing as marketing automation. Um, and there's sometimes a negativity associated to that because it's does they feel people they feel as though it's not personalized, it's not it's not um relevant, it, it's kind of you know taking control away as well, um, which in fact it's the exact opposite. Um so so I think that there's still there's still some nervousness around some marketing automation, and and also I think that it's such a wide topic as well. 
Um, as you said there, I mean, you know, HubSpot didn't want to talk about it because they felt as they, at that time, was a bit of a one-trick pony as far as what their automation offered um, versus 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 now. Um, but, but, but interestingly, um, one thing that I thought about, actually, we didn't talk in the notes, was something that you introduced me to, so away from the business side, um, and that's effectively, I guess, marketing automation and sense because it was talking was ift. If you remember, you discovered right. if if this then that, um, yeah. you know, and a lot of a lot of the kind of automation pieces built on that. And you guys, if you haven't been to ift, go and check it out. It allows you to connect, you know, tell Alexa to do something, and it will kind of you know go and then do something else. So it just it just that's kind of almost made me think that in its rawest form, um, you know, marketing automation is if this then that, right? Pretty much. Yeah, <clears throat> I, th I think so. I think look, I think there was. Um... Yeah, but the automation piece, I think, is definitely based on kind of creating some, you know, workflows, essentially, is what it is, right? Um, but I think I think back in the day, if I, if I go back to what people were expecting when we, you know, when they were kind of engaging in, in any kind of marketing automation, is that they flick a switch and then suddenly there'd be a lot of leads that are coming in. Right, and mm. I, that used to be a comment. Okay, we're using HubSpot now, we're in leads. And I'm like, well, mm. Mm. this is mm. now, you've got a platform that allows yeah. you to build a strategy that will do That's that, it. but it's just not yeah. going to happen when you flip the switch on, right? Um, you've now got to kind of feed the funnel. And I think I think in, in those early days, I think people uh, people were excited by, okay, there's some automation, uh, you know, ways of automating some tasks there, mm. um, but perhaps weren't so clear on 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 how that would kind of play out, right? And and mm. I think, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of the clients who've been on the platform now with us for a long time are really kind of seeing the benefits of it over a, over a sort of long and term period, right? In terms of exponential traffic growth and leads coming in now and, and cost per leads kind of drastically being reduced to almost zero. Um, you know, things like that, I think, are the kind of long term benefits of this. But but there's a journey that kind of gets to that. So, so I thought, Andrew, what we do today is is start almost again with we, you know, we've got a lot of people on the show today, um, a lot of people we don't know personally. So I thought it might be quite good just to understand, you know, really kind of how people are defining marketing automation today, um, and then really kind of breaking that down and and then you know showing how tactically that works. So I think we we don't want to kind of hide behind any definitions or anything. But I no. think I think I think when when we kind of look at the definition of and we looked at quite a few, it's quite interesting because I think the last time we spoke about this topic was maybe a year ago, and um, okay, and and even then yeah. some of those definitions have sort of changed. But but the real yeah. kind of nuts and bolts of of um, of marketing automation today is is that essentially what it allows you to do is kind of automate um, tasks which are which can be automated, right? So we're not talking about, yep. um, we're not talking about kind of lazy marketing. We're talking about really being very efficient, okay? And what we're talking about that, with that is kind of almost removing that kind of human error component in this by making sure that we can essentially send the right content using the right communication channel to the right person uh, at exactly the right time, right? Mm. That's, that's really, if we break it down, I think it's those kind of yeah. four things, right? So first yeah. of all, I would meet that again. So really, it's kind of making sure you've got the right content and you're going to use the right communication channel, okay? And the right mm -hmm. communication channel is, is ultimately what is the channel about that person you're trying to communicate to wants to be communicated with, yeah. um, right? And then the main, I think, 
component is you have to make sure that you're obviously doing that to the right person because otherwise yeah. it's it's wasted, 100%. right? And then the last point of that is that you have to do it at the right time. Yeah, so if we're doing it, you know, maybe from a sales perspective, you want to kind of hit the person when they're thinking about buying something, right? You don't want to be thinking, mm-hmm. you don't want to be kind of reaching out to them two weeks too late, essentially, is what, no. is what we're talking about. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess the final part of this is, is you can do this at scale because it's automated, right? Because it's a system and it's a machine that's essentially doing this. You know, so it's not about one person who's, you know, typing lots of emails, SMSs, WhatsApp messages, uh, push out, uh, push messages on an app or whatever it is, right? It's, this is all fully automated where you've got a system that's fully integrated. So so I guess I guess that kind of defines it. Is that, do you reckon that's something that, I think, does that make sense to you, Andrew, that we kind of then break down each one of those? Yeah, components? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, communication, individual and time, right? As you mentioned there, those are the kind of three key key points um, that, that, that kind of make for a successful uh, engagement, right? Yeah, and, and and content being the driver of all communication as well, right? Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so let's let's break it down. I think I think again, content. Everyone knows what that is, but we'll just again very quick summary of what we're talking about when it comes to content. Um, obviously, everything we're talking about is very kind of digital focused, so we need to mm. kind of stick there, stick there right now. And if we have time later, we'll kind of go into the offline piece. But but ultimately, what we're talking about is is website content, whether that's kind of your website pages, whether that's your blog articles. Uh, we're talking about things like ebooks. Um, I guess Andrew, we're talking about our podcast, our webinar, uh, all yep. of those elements. Yep. Yeah, um, I think also think about content on some different delivery of devices, so apps, people getting push notifications. That's content that's being kind of delivered to them as well. Um, that may be audio, it may be visual, it may be just something as simple as like a you know an image banner or something. Yeah. And so, and so what, what these systems do ultimately, again, is to let you track engagement with every single piece of content that you have. Yeah. Right? As long as it's hosted online, it's hosted um, you know, on your website or in your own assets or whatever it is, even across social or whatever it is, um, you have the ability to then track engagement of that content. And, and what a good marketing automation system will do is track all of that engagement on an individual level. So... So if Andrew is going onto the website and he's um, he's visiting five or six pages of a website, um, my uh, marketing automation system will basically recognize all of that. And it will tell me, right, Andrew is on this page at this time and he's now gone onto that page and now he's gone onto this page. And while he's on this page, he's watched this video. We didn't even mention video there, it's content that's nuts. Yeah. Um, he's watched this video. He's now been downloading the ebook. He's um, filled out this form and then now he's received an email. We didn't even mention email either. So again, now that email's <laughs> he's, got, he's got a WhatsApp. Inbox. We didn't talk about WhatsApp. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's, he's basically, you know, we've sent him an email, but he didn't actually open the email. So instead of sending him an email, we've uh, another email, we've sent him a WhatsApp message, mm. right? Because Andrew doesn't engage with email. So, you know, basically this is, this is that kind of intelligence for tracking that kind of happens on the uh, individual level. And because that happens on an individual level, we start to kind of understand um, those communication preferences, right? So how yeah. does Andrew like to be communicated to? So we've already seen that he doesn't actually like receiving emails because he doesn't open them. Um, but what he does like, yeah, this is like, this is, this, there's a little bit of reality in that, isn't there? <laughs> um, but, but basically when, uh, but what we do know is that Andrew likes WhatsApp, right? 
And so, we, you know, because he shared his phone number with us when he kind of, you know, downloaded whatever the ebook, uh, we can now send him a WhatsApp with the same link, for example. And guess what? We can track what he does with that WhatsApp. Um, and, and it allows us just, and that's a very kind of simple way of looking at it, but you can ultimately use things like SMS and social media and all of these different ways of delivering content, essentially, right? based on based on how we know um someone engages with us and i think i think that's uh you know that that kind of covers that kind of you know the content piece in some respect the communication piece um and again by automating all of this it allows us to do it at scale which i think is the most important thing so so we could be talking to a thousand andrews at the very same time because the machine is ultimately doing the work for us right Anything I missed there? No, sorry, just uh, it went in and out. I just lost you at the end. Yeah, no, no, yeah, you're right. So, so I mean, yeah, that, that's essentially. I, I think the thing is that it's it it's the system itself, kind of understanding how we are interacting with this particular content, right? Um, and then making decisions based on that interaction on either delivering similar content um, or ultimately then then kind of delivering different types of content. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the mighty automation piece, but essentially it's a simplified algorithm, right? So, you know, the algorithms that we have across social networks and, and Google now, you know, delivers content to us that they believe we're going to be interested in, um, you know, is essentially what we're talking about in this B2B space, right? Yeah, no, I think I think exactly right. And I think I think the other point of in, with that is um, is that you start to understand what works for you as a company and what doesn't. And I think that's, that's one of the important things because I think we, we've, you know, we've, we've got a lot of clients and, and people that we speak to who've got lots of content assets, right? Um, mm. But actually they don't know what works for them, right? And, and when we say works, mm. you know, we're talking about real, really what works, right? We're talking about yeah. how many leads are generated because of that content piece, how much revenue has been generated because of that content piece. And, exactly. and I think, the, you know, again, going back to that ability to track uh, individual engagement with your content because of marketing automation and because of those tracking tools that are kind of a part of that automation piece, um, I, think, I think companies can be very kind of uh, concise in terms of, okay, we need to create this content because every time we use this type of content, uh, we see, you know, great ROI from it, right? And, and, and again, this becomes exponential, especially when you're talking about um sort of static pieces of content you know if it's a one-time video that maybe takes half a day to record um and maybe costs you a couple of thousand dollars but if that video can be used you know a hundred thousand times or a million times i mean that you know vroi can be significant right but but if yeah. you don't know then why would you continuously keep spending a couple of thousand dollars to produce more content and again That's i think true. this this piece kind of allows you to understand understand that in a bit more detail yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that intelligence piece is important, and and that again goes falls into you know the fact that people sometimes feel as though automation could be basic uh, in its nature, uh, but it's not. There's intelligence there that that's kind of pulling things together and then allowing you to make more informed decisions, and not just at an individual level. You can then start to categorize potentially prospects. You can start to categorize customers, right? Um, you know, just people, just just champions that kind of engage with your content, and, and you can start to, you know, really kind of dissect those audiences and and let let the system, as it were, you know, take over as far as a communication point for those people. Yeah, 
No, exactly. And I think I think when we're talking about sort of communication and we're talking about content, um, I think one of the important elements here is looking at the funnel itself, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when we we basically um, again, you know, we we it's it's funny how everyone wants to move away from the funnel, but the funnel just makes so much sense, right? And especially exactly. from the marketing perspective, yeah. Um, because I think part of the content delivery part of this is making sure that we're delivering the right content. Um, you know, at that kind of right time, right? And it goes mm. back into, yeah. um, again, if we break down the types of content that somebody has or a company has, there's kind of top of funnel content and this is kind of like that research content. Yeah. You know, the how do I do this? Where can I buy yeah. this? Um, you yeah. know, how do I implement this? How can I achieve this? The very kind of, you know, those how-to questions. Um, and, and again, if you've got content which kind of helps people during that kind of research stage to understand things better, but they're doing it in your house, um, they're now in your funnel, right? Because they're exactly. basically on your website, they're downloading your eBooks, they're kind of, you know, mm. trying to learn, they're trying to kind of, you know, self-learn and, and absorb as much information as they can, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we class as that kind of top of funnel content. Um, and what's interesting at that point is, is there's a lot of companies that we speak to initially who aren't engaging in any kind of automation where they say to us, as soon as a lead comes in, we have to jump on it. We have to speak to these people. And we're like, yeah. well, these guys are just at the research stage, right? Mm-hmm. Haven't you got content which speaks to them as opposed to your salesperson? Because typically at this point, they're researching for a reason, right? They're going online and Googling yeah. and, and, and looking at content because they don't want to speak to somebody. And so, and so what you need at this point is actually not to have a sales conversation because you're going to get all your sales guys far too busy with prospects that aren't ready to buy. And they're not then focusing on the people that are ready to buy. And so yeah. we almost need to split the funnel into two and say, okay, look, that top half of the funnel is the people that you just don't want to talk to. These are the people that you want the automation to basically talk to. Yeah. yeah. So you want to kind of help them to, you can basically by, by look, understanding what they're looking at. So if they're looking at this page and this article and this ebook, we need to maybe then send them a video which explains it in a little bit more detail. And basically the second that we feel as if they're now ready to, to kind of have a sales conversation with us, move them down into that second funnel, right? The bottom half yeah. of the funnel where ultimately we can now either engage with them with a sale from a sales conversation perspective, or now we can start to drip feed them other things like case studies and testimonials and stuff like that. Right. So you start to separate the value of, of those content pieces as well, based on the funnel. But again, yeah. it, you know, it, and, and, and I know you've got, you know, you've seen that a million times as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think what's interesting is you can to a certain extent as well, you know, uh, generate the path based on, how how people want to how people want to receive that information or how people want to react with you because everyone is different i've seen a couple of times over the last couple of weeks where there has been that um urgency forced on an inquiry so their only possible option was to book a meeting with you that was it you know it was kind of here's here's a bit about our company here's our offering book a meeting with us there was no kind of learn more um you know kind of uh, look for a case study testimonial there was none of that there was none of that path thought out, right? Um, you know, as far as, because at that point as well, you know, as an individual, I can choose my path, right? So, okay, listen, I, you know, and, and they're not, they're not obviously choosing to be automated, right? <laughs> but, but by just their very decision, they are, yeah? 
kind of you know versus someone yeah do request a call back, uh, you know download a brochure uh, learn more watch it whatever the case may be um you know the, we, I th there's 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 there is some of those scenarios that we've we've come across where it's it's kind of you remove that choice you you kind of you've cut your cut your legs off straight away you know you, you've lost the ability to communicate and nurture those individuals yeah and i think there's there's um there's an interesting part of this right because we talk about that kind of you know automation piece and stuff like that and whether people people want to be kind of communicated to automate you know knowing that actually someone isn't sitting there typing out an email yeah but i think i think there's a couple of elements to that i think the um you know the first is i think i think as long as that content that you're delivering is is very timely and again it goes to that kind of making sure that we deliver content at the right time and as long as it's going to the right person and we know it's the right person because we're seeing their behavior and we understand what they're looking for. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's fine. It's in fact, there's, there's a really good example. I, I saw one yesterday and I, I, I downloaded an ebook uh, for a service. That I'm, I think that would be quite good for us. And, um, mm -hmm. and um, I got an email automated email i saw i mean literally you can un i think we we now know whenever we download something we actually know what platform they're using just based on yeah. some of the fonts and stuff and so yeah. there's someone who's using a hubspot and um and so i knew straight away the second i was filling out this form that i was going to get an automated email but i was fine with it right mm. and um and the email i got was basically from someone saying hey um you know thanks for downloading the ebook yes this is an automated email and guess what as long as you don't mind um i see that you're interested in this topic it's a really complicated topic and it's you know it's maybe a little bit more than what just an ebook can explain um but i'm going to send you an email every day for the next 21 days which is going to break down that ebook um and with references and links to for more information right wow. That's strong. And and that's strong, right? And and it mm. was great because very kind of upfront, it was, this is yeah. automated. Mm. You know, we apologize for that, but it just is. Yeah. But secondly, actually, we want to drive as much value and give you as much information as possible mm. uh, without someone picking up the phone and giving you a call, you know? And I think I quite liked that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I think, and then I think you can, you could, you could potentially do it. And I think, you know, when you use tactics like that, I think it becomes quite interesting because if you look at it, Let's, let's kind of break down that strategy in a little bit more detail. So they're probably saying, right, if I'm going to make a decision on this, perhaps I'm going to make a decision in the next two to four weeks. Mm. Right. Now, two weeks is a long time. Four weeks is even longer. Now, if in two weeks time, I'm ready to make a decision and these guys who've really kind of helped me from a research stage have now not communicated with me, are they going to still be front of mind? Are they still going to be that vendor I'm going to choose? Mm. um when i'm ready to make that decision right does somebody you know does my kind of natural thought process does somebody else come in and kind of disrupt that thought process so i forget about those guys well now mm. i'm getting an email every day for the next three weeks i'm kind of not going to forget about these guys i felt that was quite smart but mm. again be because they figured out that actually this product and i looked at it it is something that we typically make a decision on in two to four weeks um i think they've timed that right and i think with 21 days isn't by accident um you know it's it's actually pretty smart and i think um and it'll be interesting because obviously I, i'm you know i'm excited to receive the first bit of automated content today um but i want to see how that kind of plays out because i think it's quite like i said i think it's just quite smart um mm -hmm. and you know and beyond 
you know, we talk, we always talk about, you know, sending content at the right time and to the right person, all that kind of stuff, you know, sending, doing a follow-up four weeks from now might be too late is the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And if, if someone isn't serious, perhaps they'll just unsubscribe, but that's fine. Cause that means they're not serious. Right. So we're not wasting any time at all, whether automated or non-automated. Right. Um, and I guess you said automated or manual. We're not wasting any time um, because this person has now opted out of receiving this communication, and that's fine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, and I think that's that's actually a crucial piece there. That in in all of these environments, that there's an opt out piece. Um, there has to be there has to be that that again the opportunity that the individual receiving the information has to feel as though they're in control. Um, so even though they may not, you know, I mean, I, I we get a lot of those blind emails, um, you know, and, and, and it's wildly frustrating is if there's not an ability to unsubscribe or remove yourself from communication, you know, I mean, it, it almost it puts you off straight away, right? Because obviously this person is just hounding you, you're on a list, um, you know, and I think at that point, you realize you are just being automatically sold to as opposed to any thought process behind it. So I think that is important. I mean, I'm guessing those guys that said, look, if you want to take your foot off the gas, you know, and you don't want one piece of content for 21 days, um, you know, you can stop at any time, right? I guess they they had that in the communication piece yesterday. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, it kind of, like I said, it just works. I think, I, I, like I said, I'll, I'll report back on that in the next couple of weeks and kind of tell you how that's going. Because yeah. I, think, I think, you know, when, when you've got, you know, if you can take people from sort of again top of funnel down to, mm. you know, middle or bottom of funnel, I mean, this is this is the beauty of marketing automation, right? I think, it, again, I think it's probably worth going back to maybe those areas where we've we've basically used marketing automation really for efficiencies at next, right? Because I think mm. you know when I tell that story, people often often almost don't believe me because I tell you, you know, if we go back maybe six years, seven years, Andrew, do you remember how many sales guys we had out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, uh, there was uh, well a lot more than we have now. Yeah, and we talk about five times as many as we have now. Mm. And 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 really, what's what's changed is we we understood our funnel really well, which was that mm. actually, and what we were doing at that point is when leads were coming in, and we weren't really using the full marketing automation piece at that point. No, but when leads were coming in, irrespective of whether they were top of funnel or bottom of funnel, we wanted to make sure that everyone had the same attention and. And, um, you know, salespeople were engaged with them. And then what we just found is that people didn't want to talk to us top of funnel. They were just researching, yeah. right? They were downloading mm-hmm. content and they were just like, look, I'm not ready right now. I'm just trying to figure out what we need, but give me two mm-hmm. weeks, give me a month, I'll come back to you. And typically they came back to us. But what we realized at that point is that we had a very kind of inefficient uh, sales model, yeah. right? In a sense that we had far too many salespeople and, um, and actually what they were doing was just, talking to people that weren't ready to buy. And so we yep. basically said, look, why don't we use the automation piece to then understand exactly when people are ready to buy. And if they have that, and let's qualify them. Um, let's only speak to the people that are ready to have a sales conversation uh, and let all the kind of, you know, magic fluffy stuff happen above that layer. Um, and, and the impact has been huge, right? I mean, like you're talking about businesses really kind of traveled maybe during that time. Um, but with essentially 20% of the sales team that we had previously. And I think, again, this is when we talk about efficiencies, when we talk about scale, when we talk about all of those elements, this is really where it comes into play, right? If, if you can get this right, um, 
you know the time saving element is is substantial. Yeah, I, I thought cost. you would. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought you were going in a different direction when you were talking about some of that automation piece because I remember a couple of years ago, you know, when we were we were obviously pre COVID, we were regularly holding events, um, you know, through hubs, so the HubSpot user group, and then also our own events about you know kind of similar to this, like where we were kind of sharing knowledge, you know, in those sessions and. The amount of times people come and go, look, you know, Andrew, really appreciate you inviting me. You know, thanks very much for for, for the invitation. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. like, amazing. Yep, uh, appreciate you coming. And but but that 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 had just you know in a very raw sense that had just gone out as an automated. Uh, you know, that individual we, we it's kind of scored well. Uh, you know, and and that's why they received an invitation for for that particular event, right? But but um, unbeknownst to me, that had happened in in the background, and obviously that individual. You know, had had uh, genuinely thought that I'd I'd obviously sent that that mail personally, um, which I think you know that that's kind of for me when there was definitely a moment where I thought actually okay, so because you sometimes we're very deep in this, so sometimes obviously you know when somebody comes from the outside and says no no I I thought that was you that wasn't you you know and at that time they were looking at HubSpot and we were able to have a kind of an open honest conversation right pull back behind the curtain of Wizard of Oz and say well no this is this is what happened in the background. So I think, um, I think that's, yeah. I think that's, <laughs> that's the, yeah, but that's, yeah, that, yeah, but that's, that's the beauty of, of, of the platform, right? In a sense of you mm. want to have as much, look, I mean, if, if you're in, if you're in a sales role within any organization, you want to have as many sales conversations as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. Now, exactly. now, now the limiting factor with this is time because we can mm. only have as many conversations as we can physically have with yeah. these systems that, that boundary kind of just disappears. Right. And I mean, and that's, okay. that's, 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 you know, it's a simple, but it's a very good example of basically actually what you're having is, is a sales interaction and a sales touch point out there. And you actually have no idea that's going on. We have an idea yeah. that it's going on. Yeah, you yeah. haven't physically been involved in doing that, right? You've got a marketing team, which is basically ultimately creating a sales touch point on your behalf so yeah. that you're actually focusing on selling, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's for, that's for real kind of, you know, difference. And, and and it's a, and it's a bit of a game changer because I think look if we look at if we look at this and, and I'm glad you mentioned that the, the the sales piece and the marketing piece we we obviously talk about that as having to be fully integrated right mm -hmm. um, marketing automation really plays a key role in that because again when we see when we see you know marketers who are trying to implement automation systems focused around marketing without involving sales it just doesn't work as well as when sales are involved. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it has to work. All of these, all, both of these teams have to be fully lined and integrated because then, as a salesperson, you've got ultimately now a support team that are helping you sell better, right? Um, and and all you need to do is provide kind of insights and, and knowledge and, and and you know data and information back. But ultimately, then it's up to the marketing guys to find a solution to make make you even stronger, right? To help you sell more products, which should be the ultimate goal of every salesperson. Exactly. Um, yeah, but but I think you mentioned it right at the beginning. It's it's the um, people do still get kind of defensive because now there's a little layer of transparency that goes on, mm. right? Um, mm. But it's funny, and, and, again, and again, we've had both sides of it, I guess, right? Where you've got sales teams that embrace marketing automation, and you've got yeah, sales yeah. teams that don't, and the ones yeah. that don't typically are the ones who are very defensive over, well, that's my data. Um, mm. You know, that's my contacts and I don't want marketing getting anywhere near most contacts. 
and and it's very kind of limited right but then they you know just it's, it's quite funny how you kind of that sales transformation piece just takes a little bit longer because it's more education that's needed yeah and i, and I think the thing is that you know there is a, a, a certain defensiveness associated to it where uh, you know if you're smart about it from a sales perspective it's helping you um but there can be some defense associated with like well no you know that's that's not the way how i'd talk about it or i'd promote that particular product or brand or you know well i want i want to explain that um you know and, and kind of go through that i'm going to go back to that car room you know car showroom experience now i mean is there genuinely anybody that walks up at a car showroom now and doesn't know the ins and outs of you know the car through watching five or six you know videos on youtube about the particular car they're interested in i mean it must be the easiest job in the world at the moment to be a, a car salesman right yeah. um perhaps not new car salesman at the moment but but you know just uh the, the ability to there's so much um you know interaction from a marketing perspective as far as finding out about that particular product um you know but that ultimately should be embraced uh and it should be more about at that point the salesperson talking about you know the experience and you know some of the things you know getting them to touch and feel versus what they haven't been able to do up to that point so i think yeah. the thing is a lot of the time commercially sales sales and business development have to almost relearn you know what what they need to promote what buttons they need to push um, to get a reaction, right, from from a potential prospect, because previously you're delighting them with information, but they know it now. So no, no, I'm good with that. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah. I'm good. Do you want me to tell you about what we did? You know, no, I read your case study. Do you want me to explain who we've got as clients? No, no, I'm good. I've I've seen your client portfolio. <laughs> so you know, they want more. So so obviously, from a sales perspective, you have to think a bit differently um, in that in that scenario. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Well, look, I think, I think, Andrew, look, last, I think the last part, sort of five or 10 minutes of this, why don't we look at kind of the kinds of companies, I guess, where marketing automation really makes a difference? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, so how would you kind of define that? I'd, I'd, I had a, I had a, um, you know, very, very kind of real example yesterday um, based on somebody, their sales cycle was typically kind of four to six weeks. Um, you know, and what they had is they had none of that kind of automation in place. So it was almost like, you know, uh, a fire hydrant of leads um, just kind of coming in. They had no understanding of what, where those leads were, what they were, what the opportunity was, um, you know, and, and, and obviously it was just kind of blasted at them, right? Um, so happy that they're getting inquiries, but, you know, not so happy because they don't understand uh, where they're at so I think with you know something like that simple automation in place um, allowing again individuals to choose how they want to be responded to uh, letting them kind of pull through that nurture piece and then and then using you know the ability to to, to score them and then obviously have a conversation I think so it works in short sales cycles I think it also works in very long sales cycles um, you know where there is possibly more individuals involved in a decision um, you know, kind of cross-platform or cross-department, um, you know, not just necessarily a budgeting uh, concern, but an integration piece or working with the existing environment. Uh, so I think that works well. We've seen it work very well, you know, sales cycles up to 18 months, um, where quite frankly, when you're dealing with that, that longer sales cycle, there's just, you know, pure kind of natural, okay, forget about that person or you know people kind of rotating in and out from a personnel yeah. perspective um, and without that automation piece they also get lost 
I mean, we haven't spoken about that, that, that kind of automation piece, unless when you have a staff rotation or a change in, change in department, possibly, if you don't have some of these automated pieces in place who are talking to your prospects and your customers, um, you, then, you then obviously miss out on that. So I'd say kind of, you know, across the board, uh, depending on what the automation is, it, it's, it, it's, it's kind of, you know, viable and useful. Let's, let's let's look at that long term piece because I think there's um, there's there's quite a lot of companies out there that have very long sort of sales cycles, right? And that just I think as a practical example of how that uh, how automation works for those guys is is it can be very kind of basic, and um, and so say for example let's go let's refer back to that eighteen month sales cycle, which is a long time, right? So if you're selling a product yeah. that typically takes a year and a half to sell, uh, a lot can happen between that sort of start time and the end time. Mm -hmm. um, the automation piece there on a most simple level is it could be a monthly email check-in that happens right where the salesperson mm -hmm. doesn't have to do that that's marketing that delivering that monthly check-in yeah. on behalf of the salesperson so again let's keep you front of mind but i think the most important element is uh, when that person does suddenly wake up realize they have to make a decision today whether that's you know 16 months or 17 months down the line, um, the second they then reopen your email or go back onto your website, that automation element that comes into play there is then that internal notification to the mm. salesperson or the sales mm. director, right? Or multiple mm. people within the organization to say, right, this person from this company has woken up now We've got sales yeah. process that's going on. They're at this deal stage currently. They have now just opened the email and gone onto the website. Somebody needs to time this with a follow-up. Yeah. yeah. And, and that automation piece is, is critical because when you have people, you know, especially in those kind of industries, um, which do have a long sales cycle, um, chances are you're speaking to many, many different people because you need to, because you need to have a big funnel. Mm. Um, but when you time that follow-up, um, really you need more kind of marketing and, and data and intelligence that kind of helps you to time that perfectly. So that's, yeah. that's where those guys use it. So, so let's, let's flip that question on its head, Andrew. Uh, mm -hmm. What kind of companies does, uh, you know, don't need marketing automation, right? Which one shouldn't bother with it at all? Um, I think that's tough actually. Um, tough and uh, I think, I'd struggle to find an example of who wouldn't benefit from some sort of automation. Um, if I think about, so we've focused heavily on the kind of B2B space. If I think about the B2C kind of space, I mean, um, there's some interesting, there's some interesting um, applications of marketing automation based on, you know, geolocation. Um, so, you know, locally there's a few department stores that have an application now. Uh, you know, you walk in a mall and you're close to them um, and you'll, you'll get pinged, um, you know, some information, right? Some, some kind of marketing automation that, that, hey, listen, and again, right kind of communication because I know what I bought previously, right time as I'm standing outside their shop, right person, it's me, right? I'm, I'm a member of their loyalty group. Sure. So I think that even when it comes to, um, you know, possibly looking at something, something like that, I'd, I'd struggle to find an organization that, that wouldn't benefit from some type of automation. Uh, because again, that, that piece of automation is, is wide. We've spoken about contacts, but even things like, 
uh, you know, chatbots, uh, having having the ability now to communicate to people over WhatsApp through bots as well. And, you know, again, using that as a layer to to define the interest of that individual. Do they want to speak to somebody now or do they want to be shown a case study or a product video or a launch or something? So I think, yeah, I'd struggle to I struggle to come up with an example where because um, even if you think about Amazon purchases, you know, there's marketing automation there, right? We, we know that when we think about holidays, you know, where we get back to kind of traveling uh, in a normal sense, you know, all of these things, they, you can, all of those organizers can benefit from some element of marketing automation. Yeah. Can you think yeah. of any or? I, I struggle, I guess, I guess for me, for, for companies that shouldn't bother with marketing automation are the ones who, who, I don't know, I'm very kind of old school in thinking. I, mean, mm. I would almost, well, I, don't, I would almost do it from that perspective. So say, for example, if you're that company that wants to invest in marketing automation and wants to see results literally the next day, don't bother with this because there's, yeah. a, there's a process here. There's, 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 there's data, mm. there's understanding, there's insights, work. there's work, right? There's, there's mm. you know, mm. if you're not right, you know, if you want to have this and then not run sales and marketing workshops and mm. and not really kind of understand how this works then then don't bother with it because it won't work for you and and, and i think that's yeah. you know that, and again i'll go back to the early days that's what people kind of almost expected they, they you know yeah. they're like right, i want this and tomorrow my business is going to dramatically change well, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work like that i mean even now eight years on we're still refining everything we do from a marketing automation piece you know even now we've got four people working on a project internally just to yeah. refine and, and, you know, redefine everything because things change, right? User journeys change, people's uh, yeah. mindsets change. Um, and so this is, this is a kind of evolving platform, um, you know, and, and so it's one of them where you, if you haven't got the patience and if you haven't got the time and, and all of those elements, then it doesn't really work. Um, but if you are forward thinking, you realize that actually this will save you, um, immense amounts of time will make your business hugely efficient um, and in the long run it will save you thousands and thousands of dollars every year of marketing spend which is ultimately what it's done for us right we mm -hmm. I think our you know we, we we don't spend any money on lead generation right if mm -hmm. you know this all of our work is is kind of front loaded and now we mm -hmm. see the benefits of it because people find us organically engage with our content and basically that's how we generate business yeah. um whereas whereas even going back five six years ago we were spending anywhere between 10 and twenty thousand dollars a month on google ads i mean it's you know mm. it's it's a, it's, a, it's a substantial change right mm. so so it's it's one of them i guess where i think it's more mindset for me nothing else no no it's a, it's a, yeah going back to your example with the 21 kind of days of content that's work you know, generating that amount yeah. of content in a digestible format that, that kind of makes sense to people. Someone's built out a plan. That's not just taking a product brochure and slicing it and dicing it. There's real yeah. work that's gone into that. So, yeah, I think that I think that's uh, I think you're right there, mate. Um, we've got a we've got. Um, I mean, look, as always, we can uh, we can carry on talking about this for the next hour. Uh, but guys, we like to we like to pinch this at the hour mark, and we're kind of four minutes away from that. Um, we do have time for a hack of the week this week. So um, the hack of the week this week is uh, off EO, o -double -F -E -O .com. Um Phenomenal kind of video editing tool that basically costs about 12 bucks a month. Um, so we'll put it in the chat so you can see that. 
um, and share that. But um, again, just you know, from a from a marketing tool perspective, um, this is uh, this is a great kind of uh, cheap platform, as it were, all browser based, allows you to uh, kind of build out these phenomenal animated pieces of content on on uh, uh, animations and and a whole host of a uh, whole host of things. So um, all about kind of reusing content that you already already might have. So thought that was a good one based on the fact that we're talking about digesting content so there we go cool all right guys um so this uh, episode four right the summer series so continuing with our summer series next week um we love seeing you guys love hearing from you guys as well um reach out to myself or amit on on linkedin that's where you can kind of find us if you want to kind of uh, chat and obviously as always any questions uh, that, that kind of we didn't cover off here just let us know and we'll, we'll kind of jump on a jump on a call with you to to run through but uh, appreciate you watching and listening uh, look forward to kind of catching up next week as well Amit yeah yeah likewise and and, and actually we've got uh, I think we've got a couple of empty slots at the end of the summer series so if there's any kind of topics that anyone's really kind of interested in that we want us to kind of hone in on and, and talk about let us know because um like I said, I think this this show works and it's been running now for um, well well over a year now. But but it works because we have had so much kind of input from um, from people who come in and listened and, and watch it. Um, so yeah, feel free to share any kind of um, you know if you want us to talk about something, just let us know. Yeah, excellent, good stuff. All right, man. Yeah. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. All right, cheers. Take care.